0: It's 6 p.m. and you're tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM, Nevada City, KCPC, Camino. Today is Wednesday, May 3rd, and this is the KVMR Evening News. I'm Julia Jem. Kelly Reese returns Friday. Today is the second day of the TV and film writers' strike. The Writers Guild of America states that streaming services and the explosion of television production are both factors that have contributed to eroding their working conditions. The California Report covers this and more. Then, after a look at local news and weather, we hear KVMR's Felton Pruitt talk with Carrie Sinoff of the Sierra Business Council about broadband in the Sierra Nevada. That's all before Al Stoller reports on potential 2023 El Nino weather patterns.
1: This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. It's day two of the TV and film writers strike, and hundreds will once again be on the picket line protesting across Hollywood today. Brian Steinberg, senior TV editor for Variety, says TV viewers may have already noticed a difference.
2: If you're watching now the late night shows, your Jimmy Fallon, your Stephen Colbert, your Saturday Night Live are going dark very quickly because the writers on those shows are no longer allowed to write things, and those, those shows depend on very timely, up-to-the-minute work, so they're off. They're going to be doing repeats for the foreseeable future. If you're a fan of a scripted show or a comedy, that may take some time to, to vanish because most of these shows have several episodes already banked. Some places may have scripts already written. They can, they can film because they're already taken care of by the writers. The writer's job is already done.
1: Steinberg says if this is a prolonged strike, television networks may have to come up with more reality-based TV since it's unscripted. California's Reparations Task Force has released a draft proposal suggesting payments of up to $1.2 million to eligible residents. KQED's
0: Annalise Finney has more. The recommendation is part of a larger package of policies meant to remedy anti-Black discrimination throughout the state's history. Among them is a suggested uniform payment based on how many years someone lived in the state when discriminatory policies were in place. $1.2 million is the suggested maximum. More could be added to this by the legislature, and the draft suggests additional compensation for people who can prove individual harms. To ease the burden on the state, Task Force Chair Camila Moore says this compensation could come...
3: Not through one time lump sum on payments, but over the course of years, decades even, through installments.
0: The task force meets in Oakland this Saturday to approve the draft recommendations. For the California Report, I'm Annalise Finney.
1: Support for the California report comes from Stanford Medicine, comprising its School of Medicine and Adult and Children's Health Systems, working together to advance knowledge and improve lives. Stanfordmedicine.org. Paint Care now with more than eight hundred fifty drop-off sites in California, where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes 11th Hour Racing working to connect sustainability with sport to help restore ocean health on the web at 11thhourracing.org. Yesterday we aired a story about the lack of affordable childcare options and how it's keeping women from joining certain industries. Today KQED's Daisy Wynn explains a lot of that has to do with how little early educators are paid.
4: It's 6 in the morning, and Annette Nicholson is up with a cup of hot coffee, ready to welcome 10 children into her home at the end of a cul-de-sac in Stockton.
5: Nicholson lives
4: okay? on the north edge of town, where there are few child care options for families. The parents who rely on her work irregular hours, or they need to drop off their kids early and commute long distance to the Bay Area. Throughout the day, Nicholson will read to the children, play with them, set them down for a nap, and answer questions like she's doing here with a five-year-old boy named Tyree. I'm still getting big like my dad. Yeah. Yeah.
5: One day you'll be a man, but you got a long time, not at five. You got to get 10 and then 15 and then 20.
4: (gasps) I'll be 20? She works as long as 10 to 12 hours per day, but she barely gets by. That's because running a licensed childcare business, which requires meeting strict health and safety standards, costs far more than what parents can afford to pay her.
5: We provide all the meals, the location, toys, the assistant, the education piece, the tools to go with that.
4: Nicholson knows she can't charge parents more to cover all those expenses, so she essentially takes a pay cut. At 62 years old, she doesn't have enough savings to retire, and it's because her work has long been undervalued.
5: People still kind of see us as, I'll say, babysitters. That's really how they, people look at us and not look at that we are actually the ones that are developing our next generation.
4: Childcare is a labor-intensive and essential service. Yet people in the childcare industry are some of the lowest-paid workers. Nearly all are women of color, like Nicholson, and many are also immigrants. Recent data from a UC Berkeley survey found home-based childcare providers in California earn as little as $16,000 a year. That's less than what a dog trainer makes. Those poverty-level wages are driving a shortage of early educators and the closures of numerous childcare facilities, leading to even longer wait lists for subsidized care. It's urgent that we take care of this now because, as many of our advocates have said, care can't wait. That's Eloise Gomez Reyes, the majority leader in the state assembly. She's asking lawmakers to bump up the reimbursement rate for providers of subsidized child care, basically giving them a raise. They're taking care of the most precious people in our lives, and yet we are not paying them enough to keep their doors open. She says because childcare workers' wages have historically been low, the increase will at least keep pace with the cost of living. A recently formed union made up of home based childcare workers are going one step further. They want to overhaul the payment system to reflect the true cost of providing quality care. It won't happen overnight, but Nicholson says she hopes to see potential reform before she retires.
5: You have to not only take good care of kids, you know, you got to love kids cuz kids can wear you down and you have to even love them even more to know that you're not going to get what you deserve at doing this job. It's a it's a lot of love you <laughs> you have to give to stay in this industry.
4: She hangs on, knowing that without her, parents can't go to work. For the California Report, I'm Daisy Wynn in Stockton. And finally, even the vice president is
1: getting in on the NBA fun. Second gentleman Doug Emhoff tweeted a photo yesterday of himself in a Lakers jersey, while VP Kamala Harris wore a Warriors jersey. In another tweet, the Oakland native responded, betting whoever loses has to wear the winning team's jersey. As of right now, the Lakers have taken the lead, winning the first game of the series last night. And that's the California Report for Wednesday, May 3rd. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Madi Bolaños. Thanks for listening and have a great day.
0: In regional news, in a release today, the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development stated that it's allocated $382 million through the nation's Housing Trust Fund. The Housing Trust Fund is an affordable housing production program that complements existing federal, state, and local efforts to increase the supply of quality, affordable housing for very low-income households, including families experiencing homelessness. Housing and Urban Development Secretary Marsha L. Fudge said that the department is, quote, proud to invest in states to create more affordable housing. The Biden-Harris administration is committed to improving the nation's housing affordability crisis, and the Housing Trust Fund provides communities resources they need to produce more safe, sustainable, and affordable housing. Housing and Urban Development Regional Administrator Jason Pooh stated that the Housing Trust Fund is just one of the ways the department is all in, to support state local, and tribal partners in addressing homelessness throughout the region. The Housing Trust Fund is a formula-based program for states and U.S. territories. By law, each state is allocated a minimum of $3 million. Housing planners will use these funds for activities like real property acquisition, financing costs, site improvements, and development hard costs, and relocation assistance. 100% of the funds must be used for extremely low-income families, which ensures the priority of this program is helping those with the greatest needs. Turning now to a look at the regional weather forecast from the National Weather Service. In Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, a 30% chance of showers, mainly after midnight, mostly cloudy with a low around 42. New precipitation amounts of less than a tenth of an inch possible. Thursday, a 30% chance of showers, mainly afternoon, Mostly cloudy with a high near 54. New precipitation amounts between a tenth and a quarter of an inch are possible. Thursday night, a 20% chance of showers before midnight. Mostly cloudy with a low around 42. New precipitation amounts of less than a tenth of an inch possible. For Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, a chance of rain showers before 9 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers after midnight. Some thunder is also possible. Snow levels 6,900 feet, lowering to 6,100 feet after midnight. Mostly cloudy with a low around 27. Chance of precipitation is 30%. Little or no snow accumulation is expected. Thursday. A chance of snow showers before 9 a.m., then rain and snow showers likely between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., then snow showers likely after 3 p.m. Some thunders also possible. Mostly cloudy with a high near 44. Chance of precipitation is 60% new snow accumulation of less than a half inch is possible. Thursday night, a slight chance of rain and snow showers before 9 p.m., then a slight chance of snow showers between 9 p.m. and midnight. Mostly cloudy with a low around 29. Chance of precipitation is 20%. And for Sacramento and the surrounding valley, tonight, mostly cloudy with a low around 52. Thursday, a 20% chance of showers after noon, mostly cloudy with a high near 67. Thursday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 51. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. On May 12th, the Gold Country Broadband Consortium will be hosting a workshop, designed to collect important community feedback on broadband access and digital equity in the Sierra Nevada. KVMR's Felton Pruitt spoke with Carrie Sinoff of the Sierra Business Council to learn more about what exactly the workshop entails.
6: We're talking with Carrie Sinoff. She's from the Sierra Business Council, and she's also a project manager with the Gold Country Broadband Consortium. They're going to be doing a workshop on May 12th from 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., The workshop's designed to collect important community feedback on broadband access and digital equity in the Sierra Nevada, which we certainly do need, don't we, Carrie?
3: Yes, we do. Thank you. I am going to encourage everybody, particularly in the four counties of Placer, El Dorado, Sierra, Nevada, to join our event on May 12th. This is critical to directing funding into all of our counties, These funds are coming down from the IIJA broadband funds. These funds, which is about $65 billion to be dispersed across the U.S. and U.S. territories, is coming down out of the Infrastructure and Investment Jobs Act that was passed by the Biden administration in 2021. And people are referring to this funding coming down as the next wave of funding. So this money is going, the bulk of this money, $42 billion, will be put towards infrastructure deployment, getting projects off the ground and dispersed across the states. And then the other portion of this funding will go towards digital equity programs, such as digital inclusion, digital training, access to affordable internet. And in order for the states to be able to capture these funds, they have to prepare two state plans. One is the uh, State Digital Equity Plan, and the other is what is called the BED Plan, which stands for Broadband Equity Access and Deployment. And the California Department of Technology and NTIA are overseeing the development of the plan. In order to get these plans right and to make sure the funds head to where they are needed, the state of California needs to collect information. They have to understand where these barriers to digital access are. Where do they exist? Where are the gaps? What are the populations that need to be covered? And so part of this planning process, getting this plan approved, it's a 52 week process, getting this plan approved so funding can be deployed is finding out these barriers. And so one of the phase to getting this public input is to hold 20 in-person events across California. So Sierra Business Council is working with the California Department of Technology and the CPUC to hold an event to gather this information. And we want everybody to come to this event, to sit down with the state leaders, There'll be some federal leaders there, stakeholders, our county officials, and let us know what are your barriers? What are the solutions? We're going to talk about the barriers. We're going to talk about the solutions. We're going to do this in roundtables and workshops, and this an incredible opportunity for us to hear what you need so the state can make sure that you, your community, your local government- your sector is covered in this plan. And we will be particularly focusing on what is called covered populations. So these are, we want to make sure low income populations are covered. We want to make sure aging populations are covered, veterans, individuals with disability, uh, le- people with language barriers, racial, ethnic, minority groups. And one of the other covered populations is rural areas, which is that those are our four counties that we're working with. So please come. Let's talk about the barriers. Let's talk about the solutions. We need people representing education, healthcare, digital inclusion, civic engagement and essential service workers. We need community based organizations there people from tribal groups there. We, we want to collect everybody in the same room to gather this information. So when these plans are done, funding will be directed in our area where it's needed, and particularly to the northern Sierra Nevada region.
6: So the workshop is happening Wednesday, May 12th from 10 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. Where is the workshop going to be held?
3: It's at the Grass Valley Veterans Hall.
6: Do you have to register in advance to come to the workshop?
3: We recommend everybody register in advance because we will be serving grab-and-go lunch and just to have an idea for catering purposes. But if you're available Friday and you haven't registered, just please stop by.
6: And what's the website people can go to for more information?
3: They can go on to Sierra Business Council, onto the broadband page and register there. They can go on to the California Broadband for All Council website. They can go on the CPUC website. If you Google these digital equity events, you can find links to all 20 events. And Grass Valley is our Northern Sierra region event.
6: That's all great information. We thank everybody for uh, working on this. We've been talking with Carrie Sinoff from the Sierra Business Council. The workshop is happening Wednesday, May 12th, 10 a.m., to 2.30 p.m. at the Vets Hall here in Grass Valley. Hey, Carrie, thanks a lot for the info.
3: Thank you so
0: much. A long La Nina is finally coming to a close, but that said, the Pacific is rousting itself. What might 2023's El Nino look like for California and the rest of the United States? This week, KVMR's Al Stoller looked to answer this question and more by speaking with the director of the National Climate Prediction Center, Dr. David Dewitt.
7: Three months ago, Middle of February, the Pacific Ocean, the tropical Pacific in particular, the tropical Pacific was in a prolonged La Nina. The surface waters of the tropical Pacific were unusually cool. Two months ago, early March, the long La Nina was gone. The surface waters of the tropical Pacific had warmed back up to average. Three weeks ago, early April, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, Noah hoisted an El Nino watch, a heads up that the tropical Pacific could soon slide into El Nino. Some said this could be a strong one, perhaps the strongest El Nino we've ever seen. But then again, it was just possible that this year would see no El Nino at all. Here in California, our weather blows in from the west. Storms blow in on the prevailing westerlies winds blowing across the Pacific from the west, Asia to the Americas. Closer to the equator, in the tropics, the winds blow from the east, from the Americas toward Asia. These are the trade winds, and the trade winds push not just air. The trade winds push the waters. The trades push sun-warmed, tropical, ocean water toward Asia. With the winds pushing warm surface water toward Asia, Cold water rises up from below, making surface temperatures in parts of the tropical Pacific surprisingly cool. From time to time, for reasons not well understood, the tropical winds falter. They no longer push the surface waters from the Americas to Asia. And the surface of the tropical Pacific becomes warm. A warm tropical Pacific, that is El Nino. The warm El Nino water warms the air, warm air rises, warm, moist air rising, forms clouds, and brews storms. This is all happening in the tropics, but it affects, it connects with, weather all over the globe. If the flap of a butterfly's wings in Brazil might affect the weather in Texas, We should expect these tropical thunderstorms to affect the weather outside the tropics. And they do. They're connected across a distance. These distant connections are teleconnections. I got in touch with Dr. David DeWitt, director of the Climate Prediction Center, and asked him, should El Nino materialize in the tropical Pacific might we expect a good amount of precipitation next year?
2: You mean for California? Yes. Yeah. Assuming we have El Nino conditions, El Nino tends to favor above normal precipitation for most of California. And, you know, the part that you might not have above normal it's going to, of course, depend upon where the response of the jet is. Northern California You might or might not get as strong a response. But again, it varies. That's the other important point, that it varies every event. So so assuming we have El Nino conditions this winter, it would tend to favor or lead to an enhanced probability of above normal precipitation for California.
7: At the same time, drier, less precipitation for the Pacific Northwest.
2: That's correct. And then in between there's kind of going to be a gradient, right? might be Northern California is a little bit below normal. But again, these are all probabilities. There's no 100% certainty associated with these things.
7: I'm calling you from foothills of the Sierra, very slightly, a degree or so farther north than the Bay Area. My impression has been that we are right on the boundary line where we might go with Pacific Northwest or we might go with California farther south.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, you're, you're pretty close to what we would call the, the line you know where impacts are going to be one way or the other you know one time we would always talk about a canonical event right a typical event well one of the things we've learned in the last 30 years is that there are different kinds of events and so to just talk about a typical event sometimes it'll be typical and sometimes not that's the bottom line there it's not not just one size fits all
7: we just had a la nina winter where we got lots of rain here in california
2: You sure did, and you can look back in the 2016-2017 was also a La Nina, and you had, again, a large number of atmospheric rivers, well above normal precipitation uh, in California, and then 2015-16 was an El Nino, record strength El Nino. Part of California got above normal precip, and part of it got below normal. The thing about California precipitation is that, and there are different ways to assess this, but El Nino or La Nina, only explains somewhere on the order of 15 to 25 percent of winter precipitation variability in California. In both the case of 2016-2017 La Nina and this past winter La Nina, an active Madden-Julian oscillation led to a large number of atmospheric rivers that overwhelmed the impact from the La Nina.
7: The Madden-Julian oscillation, another seesaw, that combined with El Nino, La Nina, gives us our weather. We'll deal with the Madden-Julian Oscillation very soon in another program. But meanwhile, how do those teleconnections connect?
2: There's a tropical impact, and then there's a remote impact, or what we would call teleconnections.
7: Teleconnection, connection connection at a distance.
2: Yep. Tropical convection, thunderstorms, is going to force large-scale waves that propagate from the tropics into the mid latitudes and those waves will have high pressure low pressure areas that will influence the jet stream is the jet stream extended towards the california coast or is it retracted back towards the central pacific
7: and it's the jet stream that steers many of our winter storms so now we wait maybe just a few months to see if el nino really kicks in. I've been speaking with Dr. David DeWitt, director of NOAA's Climate Prediction Center. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller.
0: That's our newscast for this Wednesday, May 3rd. Head over to our website, kvmr.org, or subscribe to the KVMR News Podcast to hear more. KVMR gets support from Four Paws Animal Clinic. Dr. Susan Murphy and Sue Lester and staff are proud to support KVMR, providing medical, dental, alternative, and surgical services for cherished companions on Searles Avenue in Nevada City. Fourpawsac.com. And Weiss Landscaping, with over 75 years of generational experience in landscape, architectural design, and installation, Weiss Landscaping crews are experienced and provide accountability on craftsmanship, installations, and irrigation projects. GoWeissLandscaping.com Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Julia Jem. Have a great night.